Welcome to Four Questions Four, the official podcast of Osgood Hall Law School, presenting great conversations about legal education, the profession, and the law. Today, JD MBA class of 1990 graduate and banking industry veteran James O'Sullivan, who is president and chief executive officer of IGM Financial Inc., following a successful 30-year career at Scotiabank, has four questions for Osgood professor Poonam Puri on the topic of the digital loony. Professor Poonam Puri is one of Canada's leading experts in corporate governance, corporate law, and securities law. A prolific scholar who has been recognized for her impact and leadership with numerous awards, including this year's Law Society Medal, Professor Puri is a co-founder and director of the Osgood Investor Protection Clinic, which provides pro bono legal assistance to individuals who have suffered financial harm. She's also the founder and director of the Business Law LLM at Osgood Professional Development. Professor Puri and three colleagues from the University of Toronto recently responded to a Bank of Canada call for proposals from academic teams on what a central bank digital currency framework could look like in Canada. She is here today to talk about the digital loony framework that she and her team recommended to the Bank of Canada. Their framework was selected by the Bank of Canada as one of three proposals to be developed into a full report, which has since been provided to the Bank of Canada. So welcome, Poonam. Thanks so much, James. Great to be here with you today. Well, it's lovely to have you here. So let's get started, if we, if we might then, with, uh, with question one. And uh, perhaps you could tell our listeners um, what a central bank digital currency is and why the Bank of Canada may be interested in issuing it. Also, just how is it different from your average debit and credit card? Okay, so all really good questions. Um, A central bank digital currency is a digital unit of payment. It's comparable to digital coins like Bitcoin, but, and I think this is a big but, it's issued and backed by a central bank as opposed to a private network. So the best way to think about it from my perspective is that it's a digital version of the Canadian loony that you might have in your pocket. It has similar characteristics to hard paper bills or dig- or, or loonies that might be in your pocket, but instead of keeping them in your um, you know, physical wallet, your, your purse, you keep them in an online wallet that you can access using your cell phone or another electronic device. Um, it, the fact that it's digital makes it, I think, a good alternative to traditional payment methods, such as credit card payments, such as debit card payments. But the programmability features of a digital loony um, have other potential benefits depending on what um, uses you might put to it. It's also different to your to your question uh, from traditional credit card payments and debit card payments because depending on how um, it's designed, it can be used as a peer-to-peer payment method does, that doesn't actually involve a financial intermediary. 
And so that's really kind of the what, what, what is a uh, central bank digital currency. Uh, in terms of the why, I think there are a number of reasons why a central bank might be interested in issuing a digital unit or a digital version of its own domestic um, currency, including the fact that not all Canadians have good access to credit. I think another kind of issue in this framework to think about is um, the concept of slow payments. And what I mean by that is that there are often some pretty significant delays in transferring funds from credit card companies to business owners when customers uh, use their credit cards. And there's, there can be a significant opportunity cost there. And the cost to the economy, I think, uh, according to one study that we reviewed, uh, are in the billions. So uh, that's an important consideration. Now, all of this said, the Bank of Canada itself has identified two main reasons as to why they are interested in considering a sovereign digital currency. The first is that, um, uh, is that uh, they want to have something ready uh, other than physical cash in case physical cash becomes less prominent. The second reason um, is that they want to avoid a private digital currency such as Bitcoin or another public digital currency, another country's sovereign digital currency, replacing the Canadian dollar as the primary means of payment in Canada by Canadians. Either of these alternatives you know, would have some pretty serious negative repercussions for the Canadian economy and for our financial uh, system. And so I think the Bank of Canada is seeing the future of digital payments and wants to ensure that it has effective authority over payments um, and all of this in the public interest. Now, I should just say, um, in terms of public interest, you know, I think the Bank of Canada cares about accessible for all, regardless of internet access, although I think, you know, internet um, access availability is becoming, uh, is, is, is becoming better across the country. Um, and I think it also means safe and secure for all and a system that is managed for the benefit of all Canadians rather than in the interest of a private company like Facebook, which, as we know, is in the process of developing its own digital currency. Well, those are, uh, I mean, those, those are certainly good reasons. And it's, you know, it strikes me that, you know, since the global financial crisis, and I think when I'm over the past year, uh, it's pretty clear that um, having and controlling your own currency, it's a pretty important uh, aspect of sovereignty. So, so those reasons uh, uh, make a fair bit of sense to me, which maybe let's just back up a bit and I'll go to question two, which is, um, Really regarding the proposal that you and your U of T colleagues developed for the Bank of Canada, uh, I'd love to hear a little more about um, your role on the team and your contribution to this really important project. Absolutely. So let me just say I, I am working with, was working with an absolutely fabulous team. And, it, and I think the team uh, comprised of an economist, a computer scientist, an engineer. Um, it really speaks to the power and the value of multidisciplinarity, bringing together experts from different you know, backgrounds and uh, putting all of our kind of heads together to uh, come up with the proposal that we did. So as a team, we worked on the overall model and recommendations together, but many of the technical components of the analysis were, were uh, you know, understandably led by my engineering and my computer science colleagues at the U of T. I focused primarily on the legal, the governance and the policy implications of our design recommendations. And my role, 
And I have to say, um, I should mention that I had two excellent research assistants um, from Osgood who are now graduating this year, Cameron Teschuk and Angela uh, Adhamidis, um, as well as an excellent recent alum, Trevor Fairley. So all of us, we considered the feasibility of our proposed model within the current regulatory framework and um, considered kind of how, uh, what potential changes would be needed to the current regulatory framework to support our proposal. And so in the report, um, I've got specific granular amendments to specific statutes, as well as recommendations relating to um, several larger big picture policy and institutional design questions. Well, excellent. Um, let's then turn now to your your findings, if we if we could, and the legal issues that that you know you've been thinking about and and dealing with. Um, you know, it would be great if you could take a couple of minutes here to discuss uh, privacy and and security in particular. So, for instance, you know, should Canadians be concerned about all of the real time information that the Bank of Canada would have? And you know, is it is it possible that uh, all of this real-time information could be used for, for tax purposes or, or other government purposes? All of which, I guess, Poonam, let me try to summarize briefly in question three, which is, uh, you know, what legal issues uh, arise from the issuance of a central bank digital currency that you and your team spent the most time, you know, thinking about? Okay, so where do I start? There were a number of novel and important uh, legal issues that we considered in our analysis. I'll focus on three or four, um, and I'll also refer to the um, to the privacy issue that you just uh, spoke to. So I think the first legal issue that we explored was whether the Bank of Canada actually has the authority under the Bank of Canada Act and other relevant statutes to issue a digital version of its own uh, currency, or would there be amendments required? And the short answer here is that we recommended um, that the Bank of Canada Act and various other acts be amended so that there's express authority, so that there's no ambiguity about the jurisdiction of the bank to issue a digital currency. Um, a second issue that we explored, and it was intricate, uh, was to consider the optimal regulatory framework to oversee participants in this new digital payments network. And the report considered a range of options and explored kind of existing banking, securities, and payment regulation frameworks. I won't um, say a ton more on this issue other than to say that I would love it if you and others um, get a chance to read our, re our report, uh, our paper, which will be available or may even now be available on the Osgood Digital Commons online. The third issue um, that we explored uh, in, in the paper focused on anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing or AML for short. Canada, I think, has made some pretty conscious efforts in recent years to update its AML regulations, and we wanted to make sure that our recommendations in our report fit within the AML regulatory landscape so that, you know, the, the digital loony, a central bank digital currency, can't be used as a vehicle for illegal activities. The fourth and Final issue I'll, 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 I'll mention is, um, and this was a running theme throughout our entire design process, and so you rightly, you know, kind of focus in on it, James, is privacy. So one of the challenges, of course, that uh, we face uh, right now and will continue to face even more so in the coming years, and not just in the digital currency space, is the best way to respond to these types of privacy issues. Um, one of the 
benefits of digital currency is its programmability. And that leads to a number of really interesting, important, novel use cases. But the trade-off here is privacy risks and how much are Canadians willing to uh, uh, willing to share uh, and, and give up in relation to privacy. Now, one way to mitigate these risks is what one of my colleagues from the U of T refers to as privacy by design. And if you read our full paper, you'll see that it incorporates privacy features that are built into the technological design that prevents um, third parties from having access to personal user data that the user doesn't wish to, to share. Our, um, our framework also has an optional second phase that would allow people to consent to the use of their data if they choose to do so. And so in this way, we're trying to balance the innovation that comes with this new uh, digital currency um, uh, with, with privacy. And there is a trade-off by, um, by building in privacy controls into the design and giving the end users, all of us, the power to determine if and how um, data our data should be used. And when I take a step back and when I think about a public digital currency, I'm confident that you know Canadians, uh, in terms of the model that we're proposing and uh, that is being worked through, can feel safe that their privacy is secure. I think the government has the tools and the public interest incentives to protect privacy. Um, and I think the expertise and the excellence of the Bank of Canada in particular are world-renowned in this uh, regard. You do raise, I think, an important point about the Bank of Canada and thus potentially the entire government, you know, infrastructure having access to all of our transaction data. Could, you know, our transaction data be used for tax purposes? You know, I think there will be some um, constraints on this and there will be, on the other hand, some limitations to privacy, for example, when it intersects with other public policy initiatives. So, for example, if you're money laundering, uh, your data will be flagged and it will be needed to uh, be reported to, uh, to, to FinTrack. Um, so, indeed, there's a balancing and I think the Bank of Canada is, is uh, very thoughtfully working through these, these issues. I think the average Canadian depositor at this stage with the information that I have can feel secure that the Bank of Canada isn't going to be sharing their information with the CRA without their consent. Um, and I think it's important to recognize, of course, that the Bank of Canada is independent of other branches of, of government. The overall takeaway here is there's a lot of um, important interesting and somewhat novel legal and regulatory challenges, but I think there's a way to design the framework and the model so that it uh, balances all of these competing interests in a way that the net uh, will be a benefit to Canadians. You know, I'm, uh, I'm a bit surprised that governments, um, I guess to this point, haven't uh, clamped down harder on uh, cryptocurrencies generally, um, just given the potential um, for money laundering, given that these things kind of reside uh, on, on, on a blockchain. But I guess let's, let's look forward and let's, let's talk about what the future looks like, which, which, which really is our, our, our final question and maybe the most important question uh, uh, for you, Poonam, question four. Um, how are you thinking about kind of timelines and how are you thinking about the future of physical cash and the future of, of private cryptocurrencies? Um, and as part of that, what are the implications for the traditional banking system and the deposits they hold? Uh, are they potentially in, at some risk or in some jeopardy here? 
It's a great question, James. I think the digital loonie isn't necessarily going to replace you know, hard paper currency as we know it. I don't think that's the goal of the Bank of Canada. So if you like your physical cash, you rely on your cash, um, uh, it'll still be around. But I think there's a recognition, um, and COVID has accelerated that uh, uh, significantly, that we are using cash uh, bills and coins a lot less. Uh, so the digital loony is going to be a complement to the hard currency uh, that we use. Um, the relationship between a central bank digital currency and, and, and private cryptocurrencies is also, I think, really important. You know, Bitcoin, DM, other private cryptocurrencies that we can think of aren't going to be fiat currency. Businesses and people will still be able to use them as they are using them now, uh, but there's going to be one fiat digital currency, and that's the one that's issued by the Bank of Canada. Now, in terms of traditional banking systems, there's absolutely going to be uh, some impacts. And I think that's one of the reasons that central banks have been um, hesitant uh, to some extent to introduce digital currencies, especially in an economy um, uh, such as Canada, where we have such a strong banking system. So we thought a lot about this in our, in our design. And our, in our final digital loony framework that we, that we put out there is, um, is really designed to, um, uh, you know, kind of be a alternative to physical currency, but we don't actually think it's going to significantly impact bank deposits. And, and we thought about this in two ways in our, in our report, um, in terms of the Bank of Canada not kind of stepping into that space unnecessarily. How can bank deposits be uh, protected? First, um, digital loony wallets won't be generating any interest. So there's still a big incentive for people to hold their deposits in interest-bearing uh, bank accounts. The second, um, we discussed the potential of adding limits on the allowable balance held in digital loony wallets. So as much as you can hold as, as much paper bills, as much cash as you want under your mattress, uh, we in our model uh, said that, um, that there should be some limits on how much can be in your digital loony wallet so that, again, it doesn't take away from the traditional deposits in, uh, in, in the bank accounts as we know them. Um, and so in that way, a digital loony wallet is um, is uh, an, an alternative to paper bills, but uh, not there to replace bank account deposits. I think taking a step back, my sense is that banks will adapt just as they always do, um, just like they did when e-banking came up and disrupted financial services. And I think also many banking services will not be uh, impacted. So if we think about credit and loans, the digital loony is going to be great for some um, people in the country because it doesn't involve credit and it doesn't involve the need for a credit score. And we know that some people can't get uh, good credit. But um, this, uh, this digital loony isn't going to impact the reality uh, in, in, in many significant ways that individuals and businesses still need a lot of credit for a host of daily, uh, daily um, and regular business activities. Now, let me just end with timeline. Uh, in terms of timeline, obviously hard to say, but I think it's going to be more years than months. I think the Bank of Canada has a long and complex um, and, and very important regulatory process to work through, and they need to pin down the institutional design. It takes time to get that right. Uh, the Bank of Canada has also 
discuss the use of the, of, of the digital loony of the central bank digital currency more as a contingency plan in the case that some of the you know events that we talked about earlier, such as declining cash use, you know, materialize in a significant way. So what the Bank of Canada set, has said so far is that there's no guarantee that they're going to introduce a digital loony, um, but they want to be ready in case the need arises. I think um, it's going to be uh, not weeks, not days, not even months, but uh, but but uh, years. And and is it your sense, Poonam, that there are other countries, kind of globally, who in the interim will in fact uh, move forward here, so that when Canada moves, there's there's at least some good precedent, good evidence as to kind of the pluses and minuses of the whole thing. Absolutely. So I think the United States and China are actively working through what their central bank digital currency would look like. And, um, uh, and, and there are many other jurisdictions that are uh, thinking through uh, what, their, what their design would look like and how it would interact with uh, other aspects of the, uh, of the payment system in the economy. So I think there'll be uh, lots of discussions that are, that are being had and lots uh, to, for, for the Canadian government and for the Canadian uh, 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 central bank to, to, to think about and work with. Yeah, so you'll be monitoring that, no doubt. And um, what about you and your team? Do you think you're done or are you going to get back together? I mean, this is going to be a long, a long and winding and really interesting road. Is, uh, are you and your colleagues going to get back together as this thing potentially uh, moves towards implementation and, uh, and you know, contribute further uh, to this for Canada? Absolutely, I hope so. I mean, we are um, we're continuing to collaborate, and to the extent that the Bank of Canada asks us to uh, assist with next steps, we're absolutely there. And I suppose this is um, this is ultimately a decision for not just the Bank of Canada, but I guess the government of the day. Is that right? Given that there's enabling legislation that's required, so is this. Uh, is there a political uh, aspect to this that is, is going to need to be considered along the way? I would think so. I mean, my, uh, we've been working with the Bank of Canada um, and not with other uh, bodies, but indeed the bank will have to um, uh, collaborate with other um uh, with government and with other institutions in the in the in the governmental uh, framework to make this happen, and uh, and 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 that's why I also say it's not days, it's not weeks, it's not months, but I think uh, they want to the bank wants to be prepared when it's time to uh, to to issue a digital currency. Well, with that, Professor Poonam Puri, let me uh, let me just say thank you, and if I may, um, uh, just congratulate you again on getting the Law Society Medal. It's been uh, you've had you've had a great year. Congratulations! Thank you very much, James. I appreciate that. You've been listening to Four Questions Four by Osgood Hall Law School. We hope you'll join us again next time.